Amen. All right, well, our text for today is going to be Mark chapter 4. And I'm just going to read the whole thing, verse 1 through 20. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit, okay? Mark chapter 4. And I'm reading from the NIV. Okay. So it says this, On another occasion, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and some fell, and the birds ate it up, and some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, The plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they didn't bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil where it came up. It grew and it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, the 12 and the others around uh, him asked about the parable, and he told them, he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those on the outside of everything, it is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the, where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on a rocky places. The word, they hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others are like the seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop 30 or 60 or even 100 times what was sown. Amen. The Word of God is powerful. I want to talk to you today about, it was, we're keeping going with story time today, right? And the title today is, Can You Hear It? Can You Hear? I want you to check. Just take a minute. Check. Do you have two ears? Did you bring your ears with you today? Okay. Nobody left any ears at home. All right. Good. We're going to talk about hearing in a little bit different way. So, first thing I want to point out here is this, when when Jesus, when we get to this point, right, there's a crowd. There's a big crowd, and and it says, Jesus taught them many things in parables. So let's back up a little bit to what's already happened in Jesus' ministry. Okay, by the time we get to this point, he had already picked the 12 disciples. He already healed a bunch of people. Uh, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. There's a paralyzed guy that his friends lowered through the roof. That's already happened. Uh, he cured a couple guys of leprosy. He's healed some people. He even raised somebody from the dead already. He cast out a few demons. And he made sure to tell them, don't tell anyone who I am. And he taught the people many things. He had been teaching the people things. In the public places, in the synagogues, he was teaching and he had a little spats with the Pharisees, right? They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was doing or how he was doing it. But by this time, he was becoming popular. People liked him. There's crowds. They're pressing in. They want to hear him. They, who's this miracle worker? Who's, who's healing these things? Who's teaching these things we never heard before? Who teaches with such authority as this guy? He was popular. And so here we are on this occasion, um, and, and the crowds are there. So many that he can't even, he, they're pushing him up against the water. So he gets into a boat, and he goes out, and he sits down, 
while everybody's standing on, on the shore. Now, how about if I sat down and you all stood while I, while I taught? Would you like that? Would it keep you awake? <laughs> Nobody would fall asleep? Okay, I won't make you do that. But this is what Jesus did. He sat in the boat and he taught everybody on, on the shore. Uh, and he was teaching them in parables. Now, this isn't the first time he used parables. He used a couple before, but at this point, it's a pivotal time in his teaching because this is when he started to use them more, and that's important. He started to use more parables uh, in his teaching style. We're going to talk about why in, in a little bit. In fact, this, this parable of the sower is in three of the Gospels, all of them except John. It's in Matthew chapter 13, it's in Mark chapter 4, and it's in Luke chapter 8. And in Matthew 13, right after this one, there's six other parables on the same occasion that he's teaching the people. He's telling them parables. In Mark 6, there's, there's three other that are recorded, but he says there were, he taught them with many parables at that time. So it implies there were some. So he's teaching with these stories, whereas before he was teaching more plainly. Right? He'd give kind of examples or analogies. Now, what's a parable? I know we've been talking about parables for a while. But a parable is, it's a story, right? It's a fictional story. Fictional, it's not real. It didn't really happen. Maybe based on true events, but the names have been changed, right? It's, it's a fictional story. And that's important because when you're reading the scriptures, sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing between what really happened and what was a story. There are things that Jesus did that are crazy, he really healed this guy who they lowered through the roof. He really walked on water. There were really crowds at this place. He really got in the boat, sat down, and taught them. But when he told this story about a farmer, that's a story. Now, there were farmers that were sowing seeds. It's not like a far-fetched sci-fi thriller. It's just, it's just a story that he's telling, right? And, and you have to distinguish that. But the parables, they're parables because they have a parallel meaning. Right? He's teaching a common story using common things that people understand to, to help them understand a spiritual truth. There's something here that he wants them to get. And that's why he says, if you have ears, hear. Okay, so imagine you in this crowd. Imagine you being there on the shore, standing there, shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of strangers, trying to hear Jesus on the boat. And he gets up and he talks and he tells this story. He says, hey, there's a farmer and he throws seeds and it lands on the path and some land on the rocks and some land on the thorns and some land on the good soil. Long pause. And you in the crowd are like, well, okay, what else? Farmers, we know farmers. Cool story, bro. Where are the miracles? Do something fun for us. That was a boring story. And so, but then he says this, and he calls out. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. See, we, we know something about this. We know because in our Bible it says Jesus began to teach them in parables. See, we have that kind of context so we know before he even says anything, he's about to tell a story. If you're on the crowd there experiencing this for the first time raw, you just see Jesus go out in a boat, you're following him because he had done some great things, and now he's, okay, what's he gonna do? And he tells this story. And you're like, well, okay, now what? That's all? That's all you got for us? But then he says that phrase, do you, if he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that was the clue for them that there's something more to it. That's like, how many of you know uh, Dwayne Johnson, right? Do you remember him when he was a wrestler? He used to say, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Remember that? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> right? Yeah, with the eyebrow and, and, the, and the smolder look, right? I can't do it. But that's his way of saying, hey, you better pay attention, right? And Jesus is like saying, the rock of ages, saying, do you smell what the rock is cooking? He's like, hey... Listen, he started it by saying, listen, and he told this common thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, farmer, cool, whatever. He who has ears. Then you go, wait, wait, back up. What did you say? Because there might be something there I got to listen to. And like, nope, you can't catch the replay. There is no replay. 
And then he just kept going. Right? So, and he taught them a bunch of things in parables. And uh, so why did he teach in parables? You know that about a third of Jesus' teachings are in parables? And he started, like I said before, this is a pivotal point where he started to use them more. And the reason is, because he was catching on to what the crowd was doing. They were following him because of miracles. They were following him because he was doing things for them, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But he didn't come just to heal physical disease. He didn't come just to give you physical bread. He was about bringing the kingdom of God, which they confused with something physical only, but there's more to it. If you have ears, can you hear it? There's more to it. And so, in fact, in Mark, we see, we got this little parenthetical thing in here after he tells the story where it says that the disciples asked him later. Mark says, tell us about the parable. Luke says, well, what, why do you teach in parables? The disciples talked to him and they said, why do you do this? And this is the answer he gave. And let me read it again in, in verse 4 to 12. It says, Later when he was alone with the twelve and the disciples gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant or why do you use parables? And he replied, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures will be fulfilled that when they see what I do, they'll learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they won't understand. Otherwise, they'll turn to me and be forgiven. Now wait a minute, hold on. Did I read that right? Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. All right, so it's almost as if Jesus doesn't want to forgive people. <laughs> Is that just me? Did you read the same thing I did? It's almost like Jesus doesn't want to heal, heal people. He doesn't want them to understand. I got some questions. I got some questions. All right, so wait a minute now. If you look in your Bible, there's a footnote. You may have a footnote there that says that he is not, he's quoting right there from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, which is the scripture where, if you've read Isaiah, this is where he's, he's, the year of King Uzziah died and he saw the Lord. And he sees this this vision of of God and he falls on his face and he says, whoa, I'm undone. And and there's this voice, there's a coal, first of all, that comes and, and, and cleanses his his, his lips, and then says, who will go for us? And Isaiah stays up and says, I'll go. And this is what is said to Isaiah at the time. It's like, yeah, okay, you'll go. But guess what? The people won't listen. They'll hear you, but they won't understand because their hearts are hardened. This was Jesus' answer to the question, why do you teach in parables? He teaches in parables not because he's trying to hide himself, not because he's trying to conceal the truth, but he's actually revealing the truth through the parables because it's revealing the condition of people's hearts. Did you hear what I said? So his teaching is revealing the condition of people's hearts. And just in case you, you don't understand that God really does want to save people, See, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, 44, that no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. You're here today because the Father drew you. You had enough, God gave you enough grace to recognize the light of the gospel so that you could respond to it. Even that is the grace of God. To be able to call on the name of Jesus is by the grace of God. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that God's willing that none would perish. He's patient with us. He's not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient with us. He said he'd come back. He's coming back. You know why he hasn't already? Because he wants more people to be saved. He wants more people to be in heaven with him. That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And so Jesus says this thing that really kind of, wait a minute, you you trying not to save people? If he was trying to hide the truth, he wouldn't have gotten a boat in the first place. He would have just walked away. He's like, you're all on your own. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to Mickey D's or wherever. I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. 
So, but, but he knew that the crowd was chasing things. They were chasing the next greatest miracle. They were showing up because either he was going to feed them or uh, they, were, they were after the, the miracle the miracle worker. And so Jesus was telling parables to separate the miracle seekers from the truth seekers, right? Those who were looking for the acts of God and not the presence of God. Remember that? That's a throwback to a sermon a few weeks ago. The pastor preached it. You gotta listen to it. So this brings us to the parable itself, right? This is what the parable itself is about. So, and there's a couple things I just want to point out by looking at, at this parable in, in all three Gospels, right? So there's three different disciples with two disciples and one doctor who was hanging out with them who told this same story. And, and it's key what the Holy Spirit leads them to put in the scripture and what they leave out. That's, that's important because it's what God wants us to see and, and leaving out things that don't really matter, right? So there's three things that you'll, you'll notice if you look at all three accounts of, of this story, right? First of all, there are no miracles, on this occasion, when he's teaching them in parables, there's no miracles. He's getting a boat, he's just teaching. Teaching, and then they get in the boat and they go to the other side. No miracles. This one, Jesus explains the parable to us. Now, he didn't always explain parables. In fact, if you look at chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, I think we'll have it up there. On the same occasion, saying with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using the parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So he explained everything to the disciples. The disciples chose to explain this one to us. They didn't explain all the others, but they chose to explain this one to us. That, that means something, I think. Don't you? And there was another one later on that they explained about the wheat and the tares, but that's for a different day. Another thing is that the farmer is not identified. So when he gives the explanation, you would think, oh, the farmer must be God, right? Or must be Jesus, or his disciples? No, it's just a farmer. Just a farmer, someone who's sowing, sowing the word of God, his explanation. It's an unidentified farming object, just throwing... See, I know that's a corny dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> corny dad joke. All right, moving on, moving on. All right, let's get into the explanation of this parable, right? So, so in Mark uh, chapter 14, it says, The farmer sows the word. Luke 8.11 says, The seed is God's word. So the farmer is sowing seed. The seed is, is God's word. Okay, and in, in the story, it says the farmer scatters the seed. That's just kind of like randomly throwing. Anybody ever do that? You know, scattering, just kind of scatter, like you scatter your clothes when you come home, and you're tired, just kind of scatter, all over, right? They're everywhere. You don't care where they go, you just... Now, and we know that they fall on four different types of ground, and the ground has different results. Now, I've never been a farmer, but if I were a farmer, I think I would take more care with where I put the seed. Doesn't it seem a little like careless to just kind of throw seed around? I mean, I paid for the seed. I, I wanted to, it's got to do something for me. This is my livelihood. I, gotta, I don't just throw it everywhere. Well, I learned something I'm going to share with you right now. I learned something about the way they sowed seeds in biblical times. Are you ready? The way they sowed seeds was just this. They scattered it everywhere and then they worked it into the ground. They scattered the seeds, and then they tilled the soil to work the seeds into the ground. Scatter, then work the soil. See, today we work the soil first, make sure it's good, and then throw the seeds in, put them in a nice little rows, maybe have fancy machines that do it for us. Back then, they just scattered and then tilled up the soil. Now, keeping in mind, there's, there's a couple things here that, that I think we can take away. Um, from that alone, knowing that the seed is the word of God and that it's just scattered everywhere. Most obvious one is, is when we get to the ground. We know that the ground, different conditions produce different results. 
we know that Jesus is talking about the condition of people's hearts when he's telling this, this parable. So that's where we're going to spend a little time today. But there's two other ones I think is, is we've got to point out to you. First of all, the, the kingdom of God is for everybody. So God being the farmer scatters his grace all over. He doesn't, he doesn't care. I mean, he cares, but you know, he's, he's like, hey, whoever wants it, whoever wants it, whoever wants it. Salvation's for everybody. Grace of God is for everybody. There's no exclusions. Here it is, here it is. Some will respond, some don't. That's the way the kingdom of God is. That's how God does it. And the third thing is, that's how we should do it. That's how we should do it. Because how many times do we, <laughs> using discernment, I guess, oh, I'm not going to invest in this person. I'm not going to share this with them because, nah, I don't think they're going to get it. Well, that's not what this scripture is telling us to do. This scripture says scatter the seed. Camille, being kind to everybody, answering those questions for Ruby, scattering seed. Hey, something's going to stick, something may not stick, but I'm just sharing kindness. I'm sharing the love of God. Someone's going to pick up on it. Someone may not. I remember when I was a teenager sitting in a youth group, it, I feel bad for my youth pastor. I still stay in touch with him, but I feel bad for him because I was kind of non-responsive. It's just the way I was. If, you, if, if I could go back and look at myself in youth group, I, I think I was just sitting there as if nothing's getting in. Like I just had the thickest head in the world and it's going in one ear and out the other. No response. But you know what? I was listening, and he was teaching. He's throwing down scriptures. He's teaching, teaching truth. And I may not have looked like I was responding, but it was getting into my heart. And I tell you that because sometimes, as a youth pastor, <laughs> I look out and I see the blank stares of the people, blank stares of the kids, and I'm like, is anything getting through? And in ministry, you wonder, right? You, you just, you're doing things like, is this having any benefit at all. It's frustrating being in ministry. It's frustrating doing things when it seems like there's no result. And that's why I like to paint. That's why I like to paint and, and just and work in my garden or just, what did we do the other day? I did something the other day that was, must not have been important, I don't remember. <laughs> but something that, gives immediate, something that gives immediate results. Put air in my tires fold the clothes, whatever. It's like immediate results. Oh, yeah, I clean my own. Anyway, it's our approach to sharing the good news should be to scatter. You just scatter it. Don't try to, don't try to discern if there's good soil, if there's someone has more potential than somebody else, right? That's not for you to decide. It's not for us to decide. The truth is the truth. The word is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. It just goes out. And God will do stuff with it that you never imagined. Totally out of your control. We just have to scatter. Amen? So that's not where we're spending our time today. I want to talk about the seed. Uh, how many of y'all like watermelon? How many like cantaloupe? How many don't like either of those? Because if you don't like those, then this isn't going to go so. All right, you just kind of hold on for a minute. I'm going to talk to everybody who likes us. I brought, I brought today enough watermelon and cantaloupe for everybody. Do you want some? Do you want some? Okay. All right. All right, who wants some watermelon? You want watermelon, right? There's some watermelon. Who else wants watermelon? There's some watermelon. You want cantaloupe? I got some cantaloupe. Who wants cantaloupe? Me. You got some cantaloupe? All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to give that to you, and you can hand it out to others. How about that? All right, let me ask you something. Was anybody disappointed when I didn't actually pull a watermelon out? Yeah, you were? You were? You wanted a watermelon, right? False advertising. False, false advertising. Oh, wow. I told you that I had enough watermelon and cantaloupe for everybody. 
Was I lying? No. I'm telling you the truth. These are seeds. These are powerful. This has everything in it to generate on the package tells me it's a watermelon. I look at the seed, I can't tell. Is it a watermelon? I, don't, I wouldn't know what a watermelon seed looked like. Well, I guess I would because I had watermelon before, but I might recognize that, I maybe not. I need to look at the package to tell me. Okay, that's a watermelon. And if I put this in the ground, maybe it'll become a watermelon? It won't become a cantaloupe? No. <laughs> and there's this thing about seeds that like there's I don't know how many seeds are in this packet I could easily count them but if I were to plant all these seeds there's no way I could tell you how many watermelons would come from it Pastor Otto used to say this thing he used to say anybody can count the number of seeds in an apple but only God knows the number of apples in a seed Only God knows. Okay, some of you are smelling what the rock is cooking right now here. <laughs> we like the watermelon, but we don't like to have to wait for it, right? This package tells me, it's like, hey, okay, you got to plant it at certain times, and, and it takes 80 days till a crop. 80 days? I gotta wait 80 days for watermelon. I'm just gonna go buy a watermelon. I don't got time for that. Like we were thinking about, Mrs. O was thinking about planting corn. We were on a ride to one of Nathaniel's concerts, and and we figured, oh, let's learn some things about corn so we can do it right. So Lee pulls up this YouTube video, and this lady's all hype about corn. She's excited. She loves corn, and she's talking about sweet corn and candy corn and whatever other stuff is. Not candy corn. You don't plant that. That's something else. <laughs> I don't know anything about corn. That's why we watched the video. That's why we watched the video. Okay, so this girl is talking about, okay, so you need to, it's gotta be done this time of year and you gotta dig it up and you, you gotta plant it in groups of three and six inches apart and you gotta make sure, you gotta till the soil and make sure there's nitrous oxide in there and nitrogen and, and all these things. I'm like, hold on a minute. You lost me there. I, I could dig and I could put a seed. But when you talk about nitrogen and all this chemical balance. You lost me. I'm like, you need Nina to, to plant this corn. <laughs> I, there's no corn in my house, if that's the way it's gonna be. It's too much work, right? It's too much to know, and you know what? Sometimes we complicate things in the church. Don't we complicate things? But all you gotta do is just scatter seed and let God deal with it. We, we don't control results. Let God deal with the outcome. You just do what he's asked you to do, scatter some seeds. Right, so, but we want the benefits without doing any of the work. I feel that. I'm that way too. We want, we want the watermelon without having to put it in the ground and wait for it to grow or making sure it, the raccoons or squirrels or rats don't get it, right? And because we want, we want the product we sometimes throw away the potential. But the potential is all in here. And the purpose of this seed is to grow. That's what it was made for. That's what God made seed for. He made it to grow. Seed is the word of God. The purpose of the word of God is to grow in your life. That's what it's for. It's meant to produce fruit. I don't know, we say fruit all the time, but vegetables, wheat, whatever. It's supposed to grow and produce something enjoyable in your life. Something that also, guess what? Has other seeds in it. Did you catch that? It has other seeds in it, all right? So you're, you're bearing fruit now, and this is going to produce more fruit. That's the way it works. It's a multiple. That's, that's the way God designed this whole thing to work. With the seeds, also with the word of God. It's powerful. Seed of God. The word of God is powerful. Do you believe? Do you believe that in this book, in the word of God, 
is everything that you need to live a life of holiness and righteousness? Do you believe everything is in this word to, to give you faith to follow him and stand strong in times of tribulation? Do you believe it? Or do you think it's false advertising? Oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, all right. Because what happens, I think, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, tell me if I'm wrong. I think sometimes we, we, come, we come to the Lord, and this happens like early when you're new here, and, and you're seeing what God's doing in somebody else's life, and you're seeing the joy on their, in their face and, and the peace that they have, and you're seeing the fruits of God doing things in their life, and you say, I want that. And then you try something, but you don't get that. You're told, we tell you every Sunday, we tell you, this is what the word of God will do for you. But it doesn't happen for you. So you immediately say, oh, false advertising. This ain't happening. Somebody lied to me. There's a lie somewhere in the mix. I'm giving up, I'm going away. There's more to it. There's more to it than that. Let's talk about some of the fruit Let's talk about some of the fruit, just real quick. I got a, a nice little slide up here with some, some grapes on it, if we can show it. Some of the fruit from, words, from God's word. Uh, and if you're taking notes, you can write them down. If not, catch the replay, okay? So repentance, uh, the fruit of repentance. Talks about that in Matthew 3.8. The fruit of good works. This is what the seed the word of God does for us. The fruit of praise. God does things for us and we have the fruit of praise that comes from our lips. The fruit of righteousness and peace. The fruit of goodness and justice and truth. These are good things, right? And of course, the fruit of the Spirit. We've all heard about those, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are great things. How many of y'all want those in your life? I want those in my life. How are you gonna get them? Go to the Acme. Right here are the seeds that need to be planted in your heart to get those things. This is what will come from these seeds, and it's not false advertising. But I got to tell you something. Not every seed that is thrown is automatically sown. Not every seed that's is throne is automatically sown. Remember we talked about the way they did in biblical times, they scattered, and then they worked the soil. Scattered, and then they worked the soil. Listen, every Sunday, there's seeds that are scattered here from this pulpit. Every Sunday. Some of them fall on good soil. Some of them fall on the path in the foyer. Some of them fall in different places because you're going through some rocky times and you're not able to get it. But all of them need to be sown. And how do you sow them? You work the soil. So you don't just sit here, listen, go, oh, great, great, get hit with a bunch of seeds, and then you leave. Right. Right. You see, you smelling what the rock is cooking here? So you, they're scattered, and then you have to work it into the soil. What does that mean? You have to read it again. You have to study it. You have to talk about it with your family. You have to chew on it. You have to do some work. Oh, God help us if we have to do work. You have to do some work. It's up to you. It's up to you that, that we scatter seeds, but you have to respond. It's your heart that has to respond. If you want the fruit, you got to do the work. Whew. Should I give the altar call now? I want to talk about the ground, and, and we'll wrap this up with talking about the four types of ground. Amen? So the ground is about four conditions of the heart. He's telling this parable. He's talking in stories and mysteries because it's revealing the heart condition of the people that are listening. And there's four types of ground. And I want to tell you something that in this room, I think there's all four types. And I don't say that throwing shade at anybody. Because I recognize that at any point in your life, you could be good soil, 
or you could be thorny, or you could be along the path, or you could be on the rocky ground. It's not a fixed, they have this thing of fixed mindset, you know, like what you set in a way you, have to, you can't change. Well, there's not a fixed soil. <laughs> there's not a fixed heart condition. You can change, and depending on the season of life that you're in, depending on what's going on, you could be any one of these. And so where you are today, and this is what I want to ask you, this is what I want you to ask yourself today, is what is the condition of my heart today? And just be honest. You may be along the path where you don't understand anything. You're not getting anything. And so, hey, so we'll talk about that. But let's talk about the grounds. Okay, the first one is the path. I got, should have a nice picture up there. Can you see that? There's a path with the birds that are coming along. It says, these are the seed that fell on the footpath. They represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Why does he take it away? Because it's just long, it's hard ground and there's no understanding. And the pathway is like, this, this is like following the paths of the world. When you're just kind of following, you spent your whole life following the world's path, seeds are thrown at you and you don't, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. That's a, that's a strange teaching. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't see people live that way. I don't understand it. And Satan will come and take it away. It falls along the path. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes or the mind of the unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel. We shouldn't get mad when sinners sin. They're just doing what they do. I get mad when Christians don't act like Christians. I don't have time to get into that, but when people who don't know the Lord act like people who don't know the Lord, why are we surprised? You know, we, we should be responding in grace. We should be acting like we, like child, uh, children of the king, following the truth of the gospel, bearing fruit. But people who are in the world, they don't understand. It's foolishness. The gospel, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's why we need to scatter seed. Scatter seed and hopefully some, they'll see a kind act. They'll see the love of God. Their hearts will be soft and pray for them that the Father will draw them so that something will, that the ground will become softened. They'll start to get off the path of the world and start to move even to the rocky ground. That's a start, right? But we have to pray for them. And if you are along the path, I guess if you're on the path, you're probably not even listening to me right now. Or maybe you're in the foyer. So if you're hearing me, wherever, whoever's on the path, <laughs> or if you know somebody who's there, pray for them. Pray, pray for understanding. Maybe you'll sit under, under the teaching on a Thursday Bible study or, or even in here, and you don't understand something. It's like, oh, okay, God, that doesn't make, God, help me understand that. Help me, or you read something in the word and it just goes right over your head. You don't get it. It's big words, big names you can't pronounce. Things just don't make sense. Pray for understanding. God will give it to you because when you understand it, you can write it on your heart and now it can start to take some root. Okay, let's talk about the rocks. The seed that fell on the rocky soil is those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. If you've been in the church for any period of time, it's sad. Pastor, you talked about someone today. I don't, I don't, I'm not judging them that they're on this ground, but we've seen people who come in and they get excited about the worship. They get excited about the miracles. They get excited about, God, this is great. But then not too long later, they're gone. Why? Well, probably because they didn't really have any root. They got excited about the hype. They can get excited when we get to the bridge of the song, right? Ooh, the build, music's building. Yay, praise the Lord. And then the music drops and we drop. And we can't sustain it because they have no roots. They grew up, but they never grew down. So sometimes I ask, um, how many of you ever asked your kids to go for like a bike ride? No, just me? Oh, okay. All right, well, I'll talk to you guys. So, we, 
ask my kid to go for a bike ride, and they're all excited about going for the ride. So we get on the bike, right, and like, oh, this is cool, as long as the, the ground is like, right level, right, right? But the first hill that you get, the first hill, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Can you carry me? <laughs> Come on, kid. <laughs> it's a parable, it's a parable. It's, a, it's not a real story. That's how it is sometimes when, you, when, when you're like, yeah, I want the things of God, but as soon as it gets difficult, as soon as I got to work, I'm going to give you watermelon. But as soon as you realize you got to plant it, <sighs> give it back. I'll probably find some of that seed on the ground over here because nobody wants it. <laughs> but this is the rocky ground, right? So as soon as things get tough, people give up. And it's reality. It's reality. Life is tough. It, it takes work for the roots to go down. You have to do things. Maybe your background is just a life of rockiness. And when you get exposed to the gospel, it, it takes a lot of work for it to penetrate. And you've got to do some work. But thank God that he does things that we can't do. Thank God that the impossible is possible with him. Amen. So if maybe you're on the rocky ground, you feel like you're on the rocky ground, like you want to follow the Lord, but things are tough and you're ready to give up. If that's you, then you just ask God for perseverance. Ask God for strength. Ask God for some shade so the persecution will stop. Good shade, good shade, like, you know, cool, cool shade. All right, let's talk about the thorns. How are we doing for time? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right, the seed is in verse 18 and 19. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, or the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So this is the seed that it it finds a root, and it grows, and it even bears fruit, but something happens. There's thorns that start to come in. Thorns, the worries of life. Life happens. The deceitfulness of wealth. Or just desiring other things besides God's things. Now I'm going to make a confession to you. In my season of life, this is where I think I have been hanging out a little bit. One time I, I did youth ministry. We did it for like 25 years or so, 23 years. Felt like 50, didn't it? No, it was 23 years. <laughs> it was beautiful. Every single moment. Yeah. Uh, 23 years and, you know, it was like 10 hours, 20 hours a week in ministry. And then we stepped aside, we stepped down from that and... Our kids were at a point where they're getting old enough and they're graduating, going to college. So now I got two kids in school. And I'll just be honest with you, I don't want to owe a mortgage when they're done with college. And I told, I told Zach, I'm like, look, if that's the way it's going to look, then you're not going to college. Because <laughs> I, I don't want him. I don't want to put that on my kids to have that kind of debt. I don't want me to have that kind of debt. Thank God that he provides so God provided, I'm standing before you right now to tell you the testimony that God provided for my kids through scholarships and some other things that allows them to go to school. But also, I picked up a couple extra jobs. And God's given me the grace and the strength and the perseverance to be able to do these jobs. But the reality is, I look at my schedule and I don't have a lot of margin in there for relationships or margin for ministry. So, you know, this is something, and I'm sharing this with you not as one who has struggled with it and come through victorious on the other side. I'm, str- I'm telling you as someone who's in the middle of struggling with this right now. And do you know the word Israel means, one who struggled with God? So I take comfort in that. We're, we're struggling. God's been convicting me on that, and I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that. But I'm sharing that with you because those are worries of life. Those are real things. You've got to put food on the table. You've got to take care of your family you got to pay the bills. You, you gotta, your car breaks down, you got to get it fixed. 
Now, Lee's been really good at making sure that I don't work on Sunday, though. So there is a, there's a Sabbath. We make sure no working on Sundays. That's always been a thing for us, so that we can come here on Sundays. We can, we can be here for that. But six days of the week, and I tell her, this is biblical. <laughs> Doesn't it say six weeks you work and then you rest on the Sabbath? Does it say that? Okay, we took that like, oh, well, I'm going to work Monday through Friday. I'll take the weekends off. Anyway, it's, that's... Sunday's my day. Okay, now we're going to get in a fight later on. Okay. I'm, I'm confessing to you that God is dealing with me on that. And I think this is a place that Christians could tend, we, this is our temptation. If you're following, you're bearing fruit, right? This, it took root. It grew. It was bearing fruit. Then something happens. And this is what happens to a lot of us. We get caught up in other things. You know, we, we want to, Invest for the future. We want to make sure our, our, our investments are doing well, our home is taken care of, and our kids have some kind of, we live a legacy or whatever that is. There's a, the deceitfulness of wealth, maybe. All right, just the other things. Good things, but they choke out the fruit. And so the question that God is challenging me with is just, okay, are you being fruitful? Is what I'm doing, is my schedule allowing me to be fruitful? And I'm asking you that question now. Is, it, is your schedule allowing you to be fruitful? Are you doing things for God? Or is your focus maybe too much over here on other things? So if that's you, pray like I'm praying for myself, that God will just reveal what it is or those thorns, what's choking out, what's, what's preventing that fruit from growing. And to have faith that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is the God who owns everything. He will give us what we need. He provides for the sparrows. They don't worry about anything. Why should we worry? God takes care of his own. Amen. And I can testify it's been true and true time and time again. Amen for that. And then the last one, and then we're going to, I guess we'll get out of here today. The good soil. So this is the seed falls on the good soil, and this represents those who hear it, they accept the word, and they produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times as much as what's been planted. Now, maybe you're good soil today. Maybe, maybe you're doing good. Maybe you're fruitful. God is moving in your life. You're like, hey, yeah, this is the best time. I've never been so happy serving God, seeing the blessings, seeing the fruit. That's great. That's where we all want to be. That's where you should be. And if that's you today, then, then ask God to keep you there as long as he, can, as he can. And pray that your heart will always be tender to the things of God because you can very easily get distracted by other things. There's always some other shiny object or some persecution that makes you go, well, this ain't worth it anymore. It happens. I'm saying that from experience. You serving the Lord is good. Sometimes it's a, it's a struggle. It's hard because not everybody wants to go the way you're going. Not everybody is in line with what you're trying to do with your life. But we all should desire to be the good soil. That's the whole point of the story, right? We should... <laughs> The condition of our heart should be receptive. It should be, all right, Lord, scatter the seed. Now let me work it in. Let me, let me meditate on it. Let me chew on it. Let me think about that word. Yes, God, let me, let me pray on that. Let me talk about it with my family. And I, I don't think we do that enough, by the way. I don't think we talk about Scripture enough with people just in casual conversation. You, know, you think about, you know, this is not in the notes, but you think about communion, Right? When Jesus said, whenever you break bread, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you sit and have a meal, don't you break bread? Do you talk about Jesus every time you sit and have a meal? Do you say, hey, God's our provider, amen. Thank you for this. What's he doing in your life? What did you read this week? What truth is he, what, what are you struggling with as far as God goes? How can we pray for each other? I don't think we do that enough. I think we need to do it more. Would you agree? Now my family's going to hold me accountable on that. And I hope they do. <laughs> Amen. So I'm closing. 
Thank God, right? I'm closing. Just with a simple question, just with a simple question, and I've already asked it, is what is the condition of my heart today? What is the condition of my heart today? We know that we want, God wants us to be good soil. He wants us to bear fruit. That's the desire. And shout out to Mike, who's not here. I don't know if it was in the script for Thursday, but he said something about bearing fruit. I was like, all right, Mike. Yeah, you saw my notes. <laughs> but it's, it was confirmation. It's confirmation that God wants to do things in our lives. He's, he's giving to us. We're receiving from him. Now we gotta work the soil and we gotta bear fruit so we can give back and do the, the multiplication. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll, we'll pray. And if, um, if you want prayer, then just come down. We'll pray with you. You don't have to wait. I'm not going to give some long, elaborate, whatever. You need prayer, come on down. This is the place to be. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, I guess we'll sing a little something, and then uh, we'll go work the soil today. Amen. Father, thank you for today, and we thank you for your word. God, I thank you so much for the good things that you've sown in our lives, Lord, for the people you've put in our lives to sow seeds of truth into us. God, I thank you for the moments that we have been good soil, that we've been able to, to grow in your ways. Lord, I thank you for the, the blessing of being able to bear fruit in our lives that we could give to others. God, I pray that you'd help us all. Help us all, God, no matter where we are, whatever our condition of our heart is today, Lord, that we would that we would be moving toward a fertile heart, a soft heart where you can speak, where you can put your word, write it on our hearts, God, that we could live lives that are pleasing to you, that represent you well on this earth. And we thank you, God, for your grace and your truth and your endless love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.